sin has been dealt with by the work that he accomplished at the cross. All of it, completely and forever, we rejoice in that good news. We're glad that we can say it as well with my soul. Father, if there be someone here today struggling under the load of sin and guilt, oh, this morning, may that heart be opened to the Lord Jesus Christ. He may come in and forgive the sin and bring eternal life and make it well with that soul too. In his name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to open your Bible to the book of Proverbs with me as we continue our study in this book of God's Word. Today, the first part of a message entitled, Playing the Fool. I'm going to read verse 7, which says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We've seen that before. That's the source of wisdom. That's where it comes from. But fools despise wisdom and knowledge. Kenneth Aiken, in his commentary on Proverbs, suggests that Lady Wisdom is like a school teacher. And in her class of students, she has a number of different kinds, including three that are difficult to deal with. Dr. Aiken says that Lady Wisdom names them for us in verse 22 of this chapter, which says, How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? The three difficult students in Wisdom's school are named Simple, Scoffer, and Fool. They are not exactly the same thing. The simple person in the language of Proverbs means one who is gullible, one who is easily seduced. Chapter 14 and verse 15 gives us a further insight regarding the simple one when it says, A simple man believes anything. That's the hallmark of someone who is simple in the terms of Proverbs. It is someone who is inexperienced. And someone who, beyond that, is lazy and therefore irresponsible. As it says in chapter 1, verse 32, the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. One who is simple is one who is irresponsible and lazy, as well as inexperienced and therefore gullible. It is possible for one who is simple to become like the second difficult student in Wisdom School, whose name is Scoffer. Scoffer is one who is arrogant. He is self-opinionated. He is a deliberate troublemaker. He goes by a couple of other aliases. They are Mocker and Scorner. His name really means to make mouths. It's kind of an odd expression, isn't it? To make a mouth. And so you immediately get the idea that Mocker is one who uses his mouth. He's a very verbal kind of person. And he uses his mouth to express his own arrogant opinions. 
chapter 21 and verse 24 gives us another word about this student. And there it says, The proud and arrogant man, mocker is his name, he behaves with overweening pride. He's one of those people that when you're around him, you just feel oppressed because all he can talk about is himself and his opinions. His world focuses on the letter I. Proud and arrogant mocker is his name, or scoffer. The third difficult student in the school of wisdom is called fool. Actually, there are three different Hebrew words in Proverbs translated as fool into the English. They are so close in meaning that it's not worth the time to try to differentiate them. But a fool is at the end of the list. There is sort of a progression that is suggested here. Wisdom tells us about simple, who's a little difficult to handle, but who is basically inexperienced and gullible, who will believe anything. One who's been simple too long and who's believed too much becomes a mocker and becomes verbal in arrogance. And if that is not corrected, the one who is a mocker will become a fool, one who is insensible, one who is stubborn and completely self-sufficient, at least in his own mind. One does not become a fool overnight. The fact is that any of us can be foolish. But one does not become a fool overnight. That is the result of a process. It is a process that produces a mature disposition and attitude that is fixed. And basically it says, I don't need God. I only need myself. I don't like the values that God gives and I reject them. And therefore he orders his life without God. That's why the psalmist begins Psalm 14 by saying, The fool says in his heart, what? There is no God. Or as someone said, he says literally, no God. That is, no God is going to tell me what to do. That's a fool. It's someone who has arrived at that point in life. He has processed to the place that he says, no God is going to tell me what to believe and how to live my life. Jesus tells us a story about a farmer in Luke chapter 12. I'd like you to look at that a moment. Because here we have the epitome of a yuppie in Jesus' day. Now, you don't exactly call farmers yuppies. But remember that farmers were the most successful people in Jesus' day. They had land. They were able to grow crops. And so Jesus tells us about this yuppie farmer. Chapter 12, verse 16 of Luke. The ground of a certain rich yuppie produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. You will notice here that this man was very capable he was a capable farmer. He was able to get his ground to produce and produce very well. And he said, 
This is what I'll do. Here's a man who's an astute businessman. He knows what to do. He's had a good crop, but he has a vision for the future. He says, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't that wonderful? Here's good old 1990s American life. Here's the American dream fulfilled by this man. He's got it all going his way. And life is going to be wonderful. He can take an early retirement and can eat, drink, and be merry for the many years of his life yet to come. He's got it all in place. But God said to him, You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And Jesus says, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. It is not an overstatement to say that we live in a society of fools. Because what this parable pictures is the world, the society, the culture in which you and I live. And God says to the one who epitomizes it, you're a fool. You live your life as though there is no God. You conduct yourself saying, no God is going to tell me how to live. And you store up for yourself all of those things that your wisdom and your ability can gain. And you lose your soul. We need to understand that when God called this man a fool, he was not saying he was mentally deficient in some way. In other words, he's not retarded. He's a very smart individual. But he is a man who is deficient in his spiritual understanding and in his moral values because of the choices that he makes. It's not that he has no capacity. It is that he has no desire to fear God. He has closed his mind to God. And the result of that is his values are all wrong. And he dies a fool. One who has no moral value. One who has no use for God's instruction in his life is a fool. It is as true today in 1992 as it was in the days of Jesus when he told this parable and in the day when the Proverbs were written in ancient Israel. The one who has no use for moral values and no time for God's instruction in his life is a fool. And he condemns himself, really. He condemns himself to a wasted life. What is a fool like? Well, Proverbs suggests to us a number of different pictures of a fool as comparisons. 
As we look at some of these this morning, I want us not to be thinking about somebody else. Not thinking about that brother-in-law or that cousin or that neighbor or that guy down in the office. But let's think about ourselves. Because any of us can adopt the ways of fools, at least for a while. We can become foolish ourselves. And so as we think about what a fool is like, let's ask God to expose any foolishness in our own hearts. We need to honestly examine ourselves. The first picture that I found in Proverbs to share with you this morning of a fool is found in chapter 17 and verse 16 of the book. The picture is of a student who wastes his opportunity. Proverbs 17, verse 16. Of what use is money in the hand of a fool since he has no desire to get wisdom. Moffat translates this verse in this way. Why does the fool offer the sage a fee when he has no mind to learn? The point of this proverb is that the fool has his tuition in his hand to give to his instructor but he has no serious interest in learning anything. The result of that is that he allows his interests to wander in the classroom. Notice in verse 24 it says, A fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. Have you ever seen a person like this in a classroom? He sits there, the teacher is giving the instruction. He's paid the price for that college course. And he sits there looking out the window, daydreaming. Thousands of miles, perhaps, from that classroom and what the teacher's trying to get across. He's paid his money, but of what use is it? He has no mind that desires to learn anything. His interest is wandering, and therefore he does not profit from the instruction of the classroom. Verse 10 says... A rebuke impresses a man of discernment more than a hundred lashes a fool. You see, the teacher sees this student daydreaming and takes him out and gives him some lashes. Now, this is the old days, of course. He takes the student out in the hallway and gives the student some lashes. And what the Bible says is that a hundred lashes will not cause a fool to change his ways. A fool is like a student who wastes his opportunities. He has the opportunity to learn. He can enrich his life, if he will, with what's available to him. But he wastes the opportunity. In chapter 15 and verse 5, the writer says it this way, A fool spurns his father's discipline. A fool turns away from the discipline of the authority in his life, whether it be a parent or a teacher. The fool says, I don't want that. I don't have time for that. He may even have to sit in the classroom like a lot of students do, but he refuses to open his mind to learn. 
You and I are in a classroom every day. God is seeking to speak to our hearts. He is seeking to instruct our lives every day. And so often we waste our opportunities to learn. That's why James tells us in James 1 that we ought to rejoice in every trial, every kind of trial that comes into our lives. Because those trials are classrooms that God is taking us into. And he says there that if any of us lack wisdom, in other words, we're foolish, and we don't know how to use this trial, we don't know how to benefit from this classroom, he says, then let that person who lacks wisdom ask of God, who gives to all men wisdom liberally. He does not hold back. A fool doesn't learn in the classroom of life because he will not learn. He will not learn. He chooses not to listen to God. He wastes his opportunities. A fool will not listen to discipline. There were two young boys who had heard their parents' warning about playing with particular empty drum that was on their property. The parents said, you stay away from that drum. Don't play with it. It's dangerous. But they spurned the instruction and the discipline of the parents. They decided they wanted to find out what was inside that large drum that was just sitting out there in the property. And so they went over and took the top of it off, unscrewed that lid and decided to see what was inside, they needed to light a stick. And so they they found a match and lit a stick and poked it down in the drum. Except the drum was filled with fumes from gasoline and it exploded in their faces. They both lived, but one of them was blinded. And they were both crippled the rest of their lives because they did not listen to the discipline of their parents. There are some of us who bear wounds because we have not listened to God. There are some of us who are entering into the next phase of our lives crippled because we would not heed the discipline of the Lord. He sought to bring wisdom to our lives in that moment of instruction, in that trial that pressed hard upon us. Instead of listening to God, we said, God, no, I don't want to hear it. God gives us the privilege of doing that. But he weeps because he knows that we will pay a price when we turn from his wisdom. Wisdom requires teachability in the students. A teacher in a classroom today can only work with what he's got in that classroom. We hear a lot about how teachers today are not producing like they ought to do like teachers used to do. I'll tell you what, they don't have students like they used to have. Especially back in your day and mine, right? (laughs) Oh, it's true. I remember a Spanish teacher in high school, really unique individual. A lady who had retired from one school and came over to ours to teach us in her retirement. 
She told us the story. She was talking about her teaching and the trouble she was having with these poor students in this class that I was in. And she told the story about this man who uh, arrived in heaven. And St. Peter took him by the hand down the golden streets they walked and he pointed out this mansion and that mansion. This man was all impressed with these houses in heaven. And finally they got down to the end of this block and they turned and they went back into an alley and there in the corner of the alley was this little tar paper shack. St. Peter said, here sir is your home. The man was utterly flabbergasted. Everybody else had these mansions and he had just this thing of sticks and, and tar paper. And he said, what's the reason for this? And St. Peter said, well, sir, I'm sorry. We did the best we could with what you sent ahead. Well, the Spanish teacher said, I'm doing the best I can with what I've got in this classroom. We blame a lot on teachers today, but I'll tell you what, students are not coming to school to learn like they used to. And the problem for that often goes back to the home and the crisis in the home and in the family in our culture. Students must be teachable if they will be taught. And it's up to each person to make himself or herself teachable. I want to ask you a question. Are you teachable? Are you teachable? Will you allow God to speak to your heart? Some of you have just sat down in the classroom of life. You're entering into a session this week with God. And God is saying, I want to instruct you. I want to teach you the values that are important in life. Are you teachable? Will you say, Lord, I will listen. Lord, I will take heed to what you say. Open my ear to hear you right. Don't be the fool. Don't play the fool. Don't turn God off. Don't harden your heart to him. You're going to pay the tuition one way or the other. You might as well decide while you're in the classroom to sit there and listen to God and take heed of what he says. Secondly, a fool is like a merchant who hawks his wares. Chapter 15 in verse 2 suggests this picture. It says, The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. The NESV says it spouts folly. Literally, should I tell you this? You will remember what this word means, gushes. In the Hebrew it means it belches out folly. Pretty descriptive, isn't it? Not very uh, tasteful, but it's quite specific. The mouth of the fool belches out his foolishness. The picture here seems to be of a merchant. Just imagine in your mind this oriental merchant. He's very real. He exists in many of the markets of the East and the Middle East. His merchant, merchandise is spread out on the table behind him. 
And his words are like those of a circus barker in our nation. And he calls the people of the street to come and look at his wares and to buy. He brags and he boasts about what is on his table. But in fact, if you look closely, what is there is cheaply made. It's a poor imitation and just junk for the most part without any value. That's the merchant that is suggested here in this verse by the writer of Proverbs. The merchant who is out in the street hawking his wares. It's a person who cannot keep his mouth shut. He really has nothing to offer of any value. He has nothing to say, but he always has an opinion. There's always a story to share. And instead of being embarrassed or flustered by the lack of true values and what he's talking about, he just brazenly boasts openly of them. This is suggested more in chapter 18. Look in verse 2. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but he delights in airing his own opinions. Do you know anybody like that? You see him every year at the family reunion, don't you? <laughs> Look in verses 6 and 7. A fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. In other words, when he's talking, he's saying, please beat me, please hit me. Because he just talks and talks and talks and has nothing of any value. Verse 7, a fool's mouth is his undoing and his lips are a snare to his soul. He openly displays his lack of values and is so foolish he doesn't even realize it. I will not name the politician, but there is a representative from this area who is putting on an ad on television in which he espouses all the things that he stands for, things which have absolutely no value to God or to decent society. And yet he's voted for this, and he's been a part of that, and he stood for this in Congress. And what he is is a fool, who is hawking his wares, his foolishness, he's belching out of his mouth his own foolishness and doesn't even realize it. And the sad thing is that a lot of people in our area take in everything he says, which says something about them. The story is told about a minister who was opening his mail one morning. <clears throat> and as he drew a single sheet out of the envelope, it had written on it one single word. He opened it up and it read, Fool. Well, the next Sunday, he got up in the pulpit and he said, I have known many people who have written letters and forgotten to sign their names. But this week I received a letter from someone who signed his name and forgot to write the letter. <laughs> Isn't that great? A fool is like a merchant who hawks his wares. And it's worthless. Wisdom requires, on the other hand, a quiet willingness to listen. And then a thoughtful response. A wise person listens more than he speaks. A wise person does not say everything that comes to his mind. He weighs his words and then speaks thoughtfully. I don't know about you, but my shoes are getting tighter. 
My toes feel a little cramped as I talk about this. We can all be foolish, can't we? And this morning we need to ask the Holy Spirit to expose in our lives where we're playing the fool. Those of us who are Christians, where we too have played the fool, and ask God to give us a heart of repentance about that. And to acknowledge our sin before Him and if necessary, to go to someone else that we may have offended by our foolishness and ask forgiveness. And then to sit down in that school and say, Lord, teach me. Teach me. I need to learn. Wisdom invites us to come into the schoolroom. Let's not sit back there in the corner with simple and scoffer and with fool. Let's not sit over in that corner. Let's sit up here in the front And open our hearts to God and say, God, I am teachable. I am clay in your hands. Show me the values of life that I ought to have. And you know when we do that, the blessing is ours. The blessing is ours. Our lives are full. They are rich. They are meaningful. They are lengthier. All the blessings that come to the wise, as recorded in Proverbs, will be ours. It is wise, then, to listen and to be taught. Let's bow together. What would the Holy Spirit be saying to your heart this morning about this matter? Have you played the fool this week? Have you listened to the wrong party? Have you shut God out of an area of your life saying, No, God, I don't want you in there? That's foolishness. That's like a student who wastes his opportunity. God wants to be in there. He wants to be involved in that thing in your life right now that's creating such a hassle, such a struggle, such a heartache. Let him in. Let him teach you what he wants to. It'll be for your good. Have you been like a merchant, spouting off, hawking your wares, belching out your own opinions, and you realize that that's wrong, and God's brought you under conviction, that you need to listen more? Tell him that right now. It may be that there's someone here without the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're like that man that Jesus told about. You have lots of things stored up. Your retirement looks pretty good. But your soul is on its way to hell. As this group sang this morning, Jesus has something to offer to you that you can't say no to. It's eternal life and forgiveness of your sin. Will you receive it today? Will you believe on him for the salvation of your soul? In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a verse or two of Just As I Am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. That's the only plea we've got. And if today you need to make some commitment public, perhaps you need to trust Christ as your Savior this morning, you'll do that right now. Or you've trusted Christ in private but you've not made it public before others. Will you come and make that public confession 
that you have trusted Jesus Christ for salvation. Maybe as a Christian you will come today saying, Pastor, I need to pray with someone. My life is in shambles. I've played the fool and my life is a mess. I need someone to pray with me this morning. I want to invite you to come. As soon as I finish praying, we'll stand and sing a verse of Just As I Am. You prepare yourself now to obey God and do what He tells you to do. And now, Father, bring to fruition your work in those lives that you desire to. And give, I pray, the courage to make that step that decision, that commitment that needs to be made at this hour in obedience to the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please? Just as I am without one but that thy blood my friend if Christ is speaking to you come right now and join me here and let someone have prayer with you today thou bidst me come to Just as I am and waiting not, don't wait. Just as I am and waiting not to claim my soul of one dark thought to blood can cleanse each spot all Jesus, I'm glad that your invitation extends beyond the end of this service. And I pray that you will continue to urge and to invite and compel anyone who's troubled this morning, who's living a life that's a lie, who's out of step with you. I pray that you will continue to compel that one to come. And Lord, as we go our way, we pray that we may live wisely. Fill us with the spirit of wisdom and of revelation, the Holy Spirit. Control our lives. And this week, teach us in the classroom. And when we return for another time of worship, may we come back a wiser people, because we have sat in the classroom of wisdom this week and have learned. And God is in the midst of our lives. And we're living our lives in obedience to Him. Bring us back together that way. Dismiss us now, Lord, with your blessing, and may your grace be upon each of your own. Amen.